Yo, yo, yo. Welcome into another episode of Preferred Lines this week for the Dell WGC match play. Match play event. Wednesday start. Always a ton of fun. Um, a couple of little outline things to get to here uh, before we get started. Um, bear with me just a moment. Welcome in. This is the Preferred Lines Golf Podcast. My name is Joe Idoni. Um, I'm going to be your host tonight. Stream live on YouTube, live hopefully on uh, Periscope. Hopefully we got that back working this week. Audio available on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, taking a deep dive into this week's odds boards. We'll do some other things along the way, some fun stuff at the end. Do me a favor, smash the like button. Uh, retweet, like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's a huge help for me. I would greatly appreciate that. Okay, so light course preview this week. I don't think it matters all that much. It's pretty wide open. It's a great match play course. Um, it's a different type of vibe. It's a different type of environment. I hope that uh, you know. I, I hope that I'm not going to waste too much time in there, just because I think it's a you know, it's a it's a it's a gut play week. Okay. Um, that's what's going to boil down to. Okay. I'm going to hit you with the best bet of the week. We're going to go completely through the odds board, every step of it. I'll give you a couple of yeses, a couple that I bet already some no's, and, uh, probably a lot of maybes. I'm going to answer some questions from the chat. I got this cool little draw bias tool. Maybe I'll sort of bring that into play first here. Um, and then I'm going to do final thoughts at the end. So Looking forward to tonight's show. I appreciate all of you guys for joining in. Uh, hope that you're on the YouTube channel. So I'm not sure there was an issue with Periscope last week. What's up, Fran? Uh, thanks for stopping by. Hop over to the YouTube channel. That way I can see your chat. Feel free to ask me any sort of questions. I'd love to uh, be a part of them and answer them for the end of the show this week. Uh, want it to be as interactive as possible. Okay. Let's start with the course preview. I'm going to be pretty quick with this, guys. Um, like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, this segment's going to be brought to you by Fantasy Points. New sponsor of the show, great media group over there, great people, uh, season long, all sorts of NFL data and like models and optimizers and stuff that you can use to get the biggest advantage possible in DFS sports. Um, they may be making some big moves here in a couple of weeks in terms of golf. Stay tuned to, to their page at Fantasy Points uh, right around Masters time. They should have some great stuff lined up. Okay. Once again, I'm reference reference my buddy John. PGA Tout does an unbelievable course preview article. I highly recommend reading it. Andy Lax is great as well, but John's is over at the lines. Here are some of his course notes for the week, and I'll kind of reiterate my thoughts. Austin Country Club, Austin, Texas, 7,100 yards, short layout. There are a lot of steep, like, downhills so you can really catch a lot of speed slots from what i remembered and you can hit some bomb drives down there um you know hopefully that sort of mitigates a little bit of the distance because i think it gives some of the shorter hitters a chance to catch the right slope and catch up not overly long anyways uh three par fives four par threes 11 par fours bermuda grass greens tiff eagle again uh we've seen a ton of this so far pete die uh back on pd this week Seen some comps to Sawgrass. I don't mind those. Um, TPC River Highlands, Harbor Town. he's got here. Those aren't bad as well. San Antonio, the stadium course out there, PGA West, I think is another good one. Past winners, Billy Ho did it last year. Uh, beat Scotty Scheffler, I believe, in a playoff. We'll be back here this week. Kisner in 2019, Bubba in 2018, DJ in 2017, Jason Day in 2016. Okay. 
before I get too fur much further, I do want to um I do want to bring up this sheet. And I don't know how helpful this will be, but um I just kind of walk you guys a little bit through my thought process. So what you're looking at here is something that I did that is essentially um reseeding. So every player was given an initial seed one through 64 into this WGC match play. Those were then put into groupings, right? The first 16 guys so that they're all in different groupings. Um, the next 16, the next 16, the next 16, all the way up to 64. What I did, and I basically did this to just try and figure out what was the path of least resistance. Now we're talking about brackets. We're talking about match play. Anything could happen. This could go to shit very quickly. Um, but what I tried to do was look at what are the strongest groups and what are the weakest. So when I sort of reorganized, like there's a couple ones that really stuck out to me, frankly, as, as wrong. If you go to the bottom of the list, for instance, Min Woo Lee is 49th. I have him 63rd in the field. Um, his seed, however, is 49th. Lee Westwood, 47th. I have him as 61st. He's playing terrible right now. Um, Lucas Herbert, Cam Young, a couple of ones that were noticeably like not quite as bad. Um, Seamus Power. Okay, shame. I'm sorry, Mav McNeely. They have a 64th. Last person to get in the last seat. He's not the worst player in this field. Um, not even close. Sergio was another one. Where's Sergio that I had way up? They have him 43rd seed. Um, I have him as the 20th. He plays great here. Um, good in Texas. This is his type of course. Um, and in pretty good form. So now that I had a seed, guys. Excuse me while I take a sip of water. What I did was I put them into their groups and I added up all those together. The lower the number, the harder your group in terms of my rankings. That gives me the hardest group, group two, Colin Morikawa. Uh, basically, they have three guys inside the top 26 of my ranking, which therefore led to it being the hardest group. Scotty Scheffler, group five is number two. Scheffler, Fitz, Fleetwood, Poulter. That ranked 102. 105 then was number three. That's Justin Thomas's group. Thomas, Kisner, Leishman. I had them all inside of the top 30 this week. Um, that's group six. The easiest group is, is kind of by a long and, and by a big margin, but it's group nine, I think is what I had. Yes, Bryson DeChambeau, 167. Um, 61 and 62 in the same one. You got Bryson, you got Taylor Gooch in there, but 61 and 62, they have two players, in my opinion, uh, in their group that are within the five worst players in the field. Um, anything other notables? Rom's group is 163. I'm sorry, 143. Rom Reed, Cam Young, Sebastian Numos. That's very favorable in terms of, of likelihood of the favorite to get out. Xander's in an easy group. Xander, Finau, Herbert, Kanaya. Finau's playing like trash. Um, Herbert's okay. Kanaya, I have him as the worst player in the field. There you have it. Um, I don't know that that's going to be. I just kind of wanted, I tweeted that out earlier. I wanted to walk you through. Matthew Wolf was another big one. I have him 58th in terms of my rankings, and they have him as the 38th seed in this event. So, um, Pay attention to these. I think this could give you a good idea. What I really wanted to point out is if you're looking at the bracket face on the right side of it, which is the Colin Morikawa side, starting with group two, has one, two, three, four of the top five hardest, in my opinion, which would be group two, the Morikawa group. Um, 
the Thomas group, the Ustazen group, and the Neiman group are all inside the top five. That's four of the top five on one side, and they have six of the top eight. So the other ones I have in there is Hovland's group ranked eighth and Answers group ranked seventh. The only two from the other side that I had inside the top eight were obviously group five that I mentioned, which is the Scheffler group, and number four, which um, is Cantlay, M, Power, and Mitchell. The top half, basically that top quarter, so I'm talking groups one, 16, nine, and eight. That would be the John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, Bryson, and DJ group. Nothing inside the top eight of these um, in terms of my rankings. So take it for what it's worth. I just kind of wanted to take you behind the scenes and, and show that off a little bit. All right. I'm going to bring up the odds board here. Um, just a second. Brought to you by our guys over at Fantasy Golf Pod. Golf guys, tomorrow night. Check it out. Um, Chad, Josh. Eric, I'm not sure if Cecil is like full time on the show now, but they got it like they've been rocking a four man crew. Great show. Josh has been on fire with the sort of regression XL stuff that's way nicer looking than what I just did. Um, you guys know and love Chad for all that he does. So uh, check them out. They are uh, huge supporters of the show. They're going to support this odds board for you. Uh, proud sponsors over there. The guys at Fantasy Golf Pod. Thanks, fellas. Okay. Top of the board this week. John Rahm. Best odds you can get to him are 14 to 1 over at Caesar Sportsbook. Who uses a bet 365 as well? Um, see, are they how many states is Caesars even in? I don't know. JT also 14 to 1. Vic 18 to 1. Morikawa 20. Scheffler 20. DJ 22. Patrick Cantlay. 22 to one. Those are uh, my projections for the best odds available on all those guys. It looks like Caesar Sportsbook, if you're looking at that, has some very favorable looking stuff going on this week. Um, Rom at the top. Does he have the putting yips? No, guys. Of course he doesn't. Um, he's fine. He's Rom. He's great. Uh, he's in a very easy side of the bracket. That's a good number. And 14 is interesting to me. He's a maybe. I certainly don't often bet the top of the board and not early in the week. If I do, I'm going to wait and see how I structure the rest of my betting card. But um, that's that's a tasty number there, especially if you factor in. He's got to go through the easiest side back in Texas. He's got a second place finish here. That's not too bad. JT. 14 to 1, I'm going to pass. Victor, I'm going to pass. Scheffler at 20 is interesting to me. I think he's in a tough group. I also think he's playing really well, and he does everything that I see guys have success here doing. Um, great putter. Great short game. Awesome with the wedge. Total driving. Like If you just look at guys that um, can get it down there and move it, but also hit it in the middle a ton of times. Put it on the proper side. Give themselves a lot of looks and good looks for birdie. He's up there. Like it reminds me of like DJ in his prime who won here. Kind of reminds me of Kisner because he's just going to pound all the fairways here and give himself birdie looks uh, incoming on 18 holes. Never going to find extreme trouble. Bubba was great with the driver when he was here as well. Um, Scheffler is, is very close to making it. Do I think that he can win three times in like six weeks? That's the thing. 
I, that shouldn't matter. Theoretically, that should not matter whatsoever. Um, but for some reason, it does. So I'm not quite sure on Scheffler. DJ. It's either Scheffler or DJ for me. Um, I love him this week. I thought he had a good Sunday again. Course record at Sawgrass. I think he leads in strokes gained total um, at Sawgrass recently, which is what I think is going to amount to basically the closest comp. Great course history is here as well. I love the fact that we've essentially seen him three consecutive weeks, so he's kind of getting himself rolling. He's in a groove. He's making cuts. He's finishing reasonably well. 22 to 1 in a place that he likes. And, and don't forget, he's just been uh, dominant and really good in general um, in, in match play. Was was awesome at the Ryder Cup. I've got him 12, 8, and 1 overall in this event by itself. So um, those are the two guys that I'm really sort of stuck stuck in between here. Okay, let's move down the board uh, just a hair. Cantlay, that's a good number. If he didn't play so terribly at the players, I'd have a little bit more interest, but he seemed to have totally lost it with the driver. I've seen a lot of people on Xander. Um, however, I, I, I worry a little bit. I know that his spot is easy, but um, the other quadrant that he's in with basically the Ustazen group, the Answer group, and the Morikawa are three of the top seven groupings that I have in the entire thing. So assuming even at the top or one or two seeds, that's going to be a tough sledding for him to get through to the final four. I think the much easier path, and you knew it was coming, is Brooks Kepka. He's 33 to one over there on points bet, bet 365 right now. 30s are readily available. Let's get there. Uh, closing best rounds last week at the Valspar. Look, he was like four under at Sawgrass before he got screwed by the weather and something happened, but he was four under through 16 holes and then it went to shit. He was pretty good at the Honda. He was really good at the waste management. That checks off like three and a half of his last five tournaments that I think he's been really good. If you're going to sort of comp these greens to anything, I think waste management makes a great comp with the Tiff Eagle Bermuda, um, the Poa mix in there. He, we know he putts great there. If he can get the putter going, I think he just needed to see some putts drop because uh, the irons and the driving have been fantastic. I think he's got motivation coming in here, which he may not have had as much of in years past. He's in the last group, the last one seed. PGA Tour tweeted out a funny picture of him as like the 16 seed here, um, which I hope he takes a little bit of motivation from. But he's just striping it great. And when you finally see some putts go in like he did on Sunday, maybe that can sort of uh, put a little bit of oil on the door and he can sort of drain a few this week. Brooks Kepka at 30 to 1. He's 33 here at Bet365. I would highly advise take that. I like it a lot. Moving down the board. I want to I want to go over a guy here that is my best bet of the week, and I did this graphic this morning, and the odds have moved quite a bit. There's still this number out there, I believe, on one book. Where is he at? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay, Joaquin Neiman, best bet of the week, fifty to one. That's still out there right now on points bet. He's dropped all the way down to 33 to 1 pretty much elsewhere. Um, I love his upside here. You don't necessarily see with outside of the ROM DJ year, 
Last year, only one of the top seeds advanced. It's a lot of a lot of these guys may have ulterior motives in terms of preparing for the Masters and getting seven rounds in a match play may not be the highest priority with them because uh, we've seen these WGC winners fall in this sort of 50 to one range, 30 to 50 with Horschel, with Kisner, um, with Bubba, with Scheffler even last year. He was down here in this range and they all sort of made a go at it. I think we get a full on Neiman performance this week. Seventh in T to green over the last 24 rounds. Birdies are better. Top five. That's huge this week. You can make a lot of pars. Your birdies are what's going to get you that advantage in those matches. Like I said, a lot of this is going to ultimately come down to um, how things fall out. Do you catch a guy on a good day? Do you catch a guy on a bad day? That's why this thing's pretty volatile. Um, at the same point, I have him, the, the next best guy is Henley in there at 30th, and then Kevin Na, then Mav McNeely. It's not the easiest group to come out of, but I think that he's the best player. Fourth in driving distance. Um, that could be a big thing here. You know, you, you ride some of these slopes and you get down there and you get a lot of wedges in your hands, which he's sort of prevailed at. He's gained a lot of distance, which I think can only help him is what I'm it was what I'm sort of getting at here. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt the guys that are shorter, but it can only help these guys that are longer in greens and reg also fourth over the last 24 rounds, pound the greens, don't make bogeys, force other guys into putts. And, and eventually hopefully there's a couple of holes where you can just lag it in there for a two putt victory and go to the next recent form has been good. A couple of missed cuts. You can't really worry about it too much here. 22nd, obviously the win at Riviera, 6th, miscut, miscut, 5th, 28th. And his course history is one win, no losses, and two ties, which was his only sort of history on deck from last year. Um, Neiman, best bet of the week. 50 to 1, you, you see right there the number still out there, according to Odds Checker over at Points Bet. I like it a lot. Uh, moving down. So I didn't really take anyone else guys until you get into the mid sixties where I did grab two. Let's see what their numbers are on odds checker. Maybe able to snag a better one. One of them was max Homa. I did take this 60 to one on Homa. The other one was Brian Harmon at 66 to one. Um, I just liked a lot of what I saw at a Harmon last week. He reminds me a lot of of Kisner and when we would see him pop here and how much this means to him. I just have vivid memories of him having a really good round last year at this event. Um, I think that he'll play well again. And I just think that Max Homa is, is a stripe show right now. Um, the guy's playing really well. He's got to get out of the DJ group, but I think if he can move on from there, Wolf and Hughes should potentially be wins. He's got a little thing with DJ. I remember when he was at Riv and when he got his win, Basically had to play like 28 or 29 holes that Sunday with Dustin Johnson. He was the number one player in the world. Homa had never won really anything to the magnitude of Riv. And he said that he really likes playing with DJ. He said that he took a lot from that and was really motivated to perform well going up against him sort of toe to toe to test himself. Um, 66 to one on Harmon, 60 to one on Homa. Um, not going to be there on Pat Reed, although I see it. Um, I can't fault anyone for wanting to take that in just some sort of, you know, match play, dumb luck, magic, and getting in basically a bracket with Rom, which you know is going to have his full attention. 
Here's the thing about Reed. He's got a lot to prove. He's playing like shit. He got dumped from the Ryder Cup team probably for life. This is his chance to show that he's still that match play guy. And I think it's actually the perfect scenario for him to catch the number one player in the world, uh, not in the best form, and slay a dragon and get himself back going in the right direction right before the Masters. That's why it makes some sense for me. Do I think that he can win? No, but I think that he would make some good value to come out of that side um, at least. So I think that he can make a little bit of a run. Uh, a couple of bombs that I took. Hoagie, 101. Thought about Varner. I didn't do Varner. Um, I like Hoagie a little bit more. He's just striping it with the wedges right now. He flushes everything from 125 yards to 10 feet. Um, you know, I think that he can go well. He's in there with Horschel. He's in there with Tom Peters. He's in there with Min Woo Lee. Uh, if you think that he can beat or tie Billy, I think that he's got the other two victories and he can move on. Anything else down here? Like Westwood, no. Wolf, no for me. Um, Luke List, maybe. 130 to 1 is not a bad number. I'm just kind of moving meandering up here. I don't see anything else. There are some signs of life from Webb Simpson. He's 80 to 1. Certainly even signs of life from Bubba Watson. He's 80 to 1. Mark Leishman, 80 to 1. Those are all three not bad bets at 80 to 1 right here. Um, if you just want to take the trio and hope one of them has it going for this week, I think that you could see one of them get into the final four there. Um, so not bad bets there at, at 80 to one. That's going to kind of do it for the odds board. Um, you know, unless there's anyone else you guys want me to talk about, I think that that pretty much covers it. Only 64 guys in the field. Um, we know this thing's pretty wide open. That's it. Now, next segment, sponsored by Prize Picks. PL100 gets you a hundred dollar match on your first deposit to Prize Picks. You put in a hundred, you get back two hundred. Um, their their stuff is awesome, and you could take serious advantage of it. I'm going to be honest with you. If you sort of pay attention to Data Golf and some of the other sites that are out there on a lot of these props that are set basically the day before on over under score on a particular hole score on a three hole stretch. Um, you could kind of just play the numbers and if you make enough outs, I know it's parlays. I know it's the worst bets that you can possibly make. Um, at the same token, they're soft lines and they're put out the day before and they don't necessarily even factor in the whole location. Like they had hole one last week over under four and a half and everyone was birdying that hole. Um, so you check out the percentages, you can kind of play the numbers. They have been, uh, kind enough to sponsor the show. PL 100 will get you a hundred dollar match on your first deposit over at prize picks. Any questions about that? Um, feel free to, to sort of send me over and I will be happy to answer those. All right. Now this is that time of the show. Before we move on, um, let's see what Matt has here. On DraftKings, we could potentially be leaving 1,000 to 4,000 on the table in Optimum Builds, and it doesn't feel uncomfortable. Do you feel the same? Yeah, big week on the optimal lineup construction here to give you the best opportunity to get six out of six through. Thanks for stopping in, Matt. Um, I don't know that I've seen you in here before, so I appreciate seeing your, your face and you asking me a question. Happy to answer. 
Um, my buddy that I do a Wednesday show with, Rick Gaiman, released a DFS preview earlier today. Um, check him out on Twitter at Rick Run Good about building the optimal lineup uh, for the Dell match play. It's huge. It's one of the biggest leverage spots that you will see all year for building the optimal lineup. And it's important to give yourself the maximum percentage chance of getting six out of six through versus really dollar amount. So yeah, you can leave plenty of money on the table and all in favor of, you know, optimizing your chance to, to potentially get the most guys through to the finals. That's how you got to build it. Um, that's how you have to play it this week. And it's one of the, as he noted, bigger leverage spots that you're going to see all year. So thanks for your question. All right. Let me get to my final thoughts segment here. So if you're new here, um, excuse me, this is where I just kind of talk about stuff that's on my mind. Um, It is not necessarily 100% golf related, but I will try to work that into this. I want this to be sort of mental health related a bit for myself. So um, just to kind of be open and honest and have a little bit more reach with you guys who watch the show, because to me at this point, it's become... You know, I'll be honest with you, it's become less about how many people I can reach in terms of like how many people view and click and see the show and more to me about how I reach the people that do watch the show. Um, And those that do have given me really good feedback on this stuff. Like I've had better feedback that's meant more to me on this segment than I have through uh, hitting three or four consecutive winners. So it's been great. I hope and, and appreciate you guys and hope that you enjoy it. Okay. This week's final thoughts. Values versus validation. Values versus validation. Versus, versus like an Ohio thing, people say, uh, that we say verse. Values versus validation. VVV. A little bit of a tongue twister there. Okay. So the reason I'm talking about this is I think that it's important to align your values um, with what you seek in validation as much as possible, right? It's never going to be perfect, but the closer that you can get those two to being in a congruent line, your values and what you seek for validation, um, the happier you'll be. And start by just writing down things you value. And it may surprise you. What your mind thinks you value may not be what you really value. And there's these quizzes out there where you got to pick like 20 out of 50 words or write down 12 buzzwords, three or four things. No, three or four things, okay, that you really value. But then create like a pie chart and divide up slices based on what is most important to you. What is the most important thing that you value? Um, and see how much that takes up of that chart. Start there. Now, validation is important. Um, the mind, the way we are wired, is drawn toward validation. We all seek it. We are all wired to. I'm not going to sit here and pretend and say it's not important and just seek your validation from yourself and other people. That's not true. I can't sit here and say that because I'm the guy that... <laughs> I'm the guy that's asking you to like and subscribe and heart and view my show. So what you think does matter to me. 
Um, I do get validation from that. But the problem that I oftentimes have is I disproportionately seek that validation um, from people that, that don't even really know me. Um, the people that know me through the internet, that know me through a Twitter page, and I'm drawing my self-worth and happiness from that validation, and it's disproportionate with what I really value. Um, the number one thing on my list when I made it, and the biggest chunk of that pie for me is my family. That's where I should seek the most validation then. Um, am I being a good husband to my wife? Am I a good father to my kids today? Um Am I being a good son to my parents? Am I being a good brother to my brother? That's where I should seek the validation that my mind is wired to try to find. The more that I can align that validation with what my real value is, the better I'll be. And the reason I'm bringing it up, because he made me think about it, is Matt Neesmith. This is a quote that I wrote down here from Matt Neesmith last week. If I go out there and shoot 75, it is what it is. If I go out there and shoot another 61, it's going to work out just as well. I'm picking out shots, and I'm going to be okay wherever they go. My wife loves me the same. I'm starting to accept that standing over the ball, whether it goes two feet or 320 yards, I'm going to be okay. End quote. What he means is not that he doesn't care. Um, that's not it. You're missing the point if you think that that's it. What he's trying to say, and this is my interpretation, so I hope that I'm getting this right, Matt D. Smith, if you happen to stumble across this on the internet. But what he's trying to say is he was disproportionately seeking validation from what he shot on the golf course golf course, what his score was on the PGA tour, he was disproportionately using for validation over his family, over what he said really matters to us. He's telling us that, that it's his wife. Um, he's making an effort to draw more validation now from his wife and saying that if he shoots 75 or 61, I'm still going to feel valued. My self-esteem is still there. Um, did that feel amazing last week being in contention? I'm more than sure it did. Uh, but I think that he'd be just fine with results the other way um, because he's being doing a better job of aligning his validation with his true values. I thank him for that. And maybe I'll tag him because he made me think about this. And the more and more I thought about it, uh, it's a very important message for, I think, all of us right now. Don't outsource your validation. It comes from within and what you value. Don't outsource your self-esteem or worth. These are important factors in our happiness, getting validation from others. Um, but listen, we like there's a stopwatch ticking on all of us, guys. Uh, and when it goes down to zero, the only thing that I think is going to matter the most are how many good days you had and how many bad days. And when your validation is outsourced and it's coming too much from other people, you're losing sight of your own values. And when you can try to align those things a little bit better, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. It's never going to be exact. But the more that you can align them, I think the more good days uh, that you're going to have. And if you're anything like Matt Neesmith, 
maybe the better results that you'll see as well. Thank you. I appreciate the hell out of you guys who stuck with me and gals if you're here. Um, this has been another episode of the Preferred Lines podcast this week for the Dell WGC Match Play Championship. Uh, may all your minds and your brackets be very healthy this week. Thank you again. Have a great night. I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.